59 degrees. Joining me on the telephone this morning, we do have Holly Spangler. She's the senior editor with Prairie Farmer and Farm Progress. Good morning, Holly. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I cannot complain. I mean, last week at this time, it was, what, 25, 30 below wind <laughs> chill, and now it's 60. I was thinking the exact same thing when I, I listened to your forecast. 60 degrees. What how, in the world? <laughs> how are the livestock on the farm? They've got to be a little confused. Yeah, yeah, I think a little confused is exactly right. Well, we'll, we'll take the weather that we've got today. We'll take it and like it. Exactly. Holly, tell uh, folks about yourself uh, just uh, over in Canton, Illinois, and uh, you've been on several of our roundtables in the past, but for those that don't know you, tell us all about you. Absolutely. Yeah, my husband and I farm, um, we're technically in Fulton County, but we are in the Bushnell School District, so we're kind of out in no man's land there a little bit, Um, but we raise corn, soybeans, and beef cattle, and uh, with my husband's parents, and then three kids who are all high school and college age now, and then I have been editor at Prairie Farmer for the last, oh, several years, and I've worked with them for about 25 years now, so um, keeps us busy and uh, lets me work from home on the farm, so that's kind of nice, too. Yeah, that's very nice. You do an excellent job with Prairie Farmer and Farm Progress. How do people find these two publications if they're interested in, in reading them? Yeah, absolutely. So Prairie Farmer, um, we're online, prairiefarmer.com. Every story we write shows up there. You can also subscribe. Um, there's a place to subscribe there on the website, or you can call our 800 number, 1-800-441-1410. And then Farm Progress is the company that's the, the, the umbrella over all of us because we have 17 state and regional publications like Prairie Farmer across the country. Um, so like in Iowa, that would be Wallace's Farmer. In Indiana, would be Indiana Prairie Farmer. Um, but we have publications like that clear across the country, and then Farm Progress is the overall. And then, of course, the Farm Progress show that a lot of folks um, here in the Midwest know about is, is part of our company as well. Yes, fantastic company, and folks are very, very familiar with with uh, prog- uh, Farm Progress and the show. Let's talk about um, 2022 as we wrap up here, uh, Holly, for the year. What, what are some of the top stories in agriculture that you felt like you covered and, and really stuck out uh, for this year? Yeah, absolutely. We actually you know, spend some time, of course, every um, December kind of thinking back, okay, so what have we done this year and what's what were some of the biggest stories? And, and we have that story out today. So if you went to our to our website, prairiefarmer.com, you would see that um, Prairie Farmer Top 12 in 2022 story, and you can and you could um, click through any of these that you'd be interested in. But I, in my mind, one of the top ones that we did uh, was back in April. We looked at where do Illinois checkoff dollars go, right? So um, Illinois farmers are contributing a lot of money to the checkoff, and, and how are those for um, checkoff organizations in Illinois, you know, corn, soybean, beef, and pork, spending that money. Um, and, and not any sort of, like, gotcha kind of thing, but just here's where it's going and how, and how it's being spent. And that's something we want to take a look at every couple of years now going forward. Um, and one of the other things that come to mind, too, you know, earlier this year I wrote about inflation, you know, and, and that came from a, oh, a session I sat through at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting you know, with an economist who kind of was talking about, okay, well, this is where, this is where, this is how this worked last time. <laughs> and, and that would have been the 80s, you know, what led up to that. And, and then asking people to, you know, I asked people to share their inflation stories. And the number of letters I got from readers was remarkable. You know, people that could share what they went through during that time and, and what they see similar or different this time around. What did you learn, Holly, from those letters and, and hearing from the economist as we do think about how much inflation has impacted agriculture and, and just in general, uh, all of Americans and consumers? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I approach this a little bit as an 80s farm kid, right? You know, I grew up in a farm in the 80s and, and is a little traumatized still, right, <laughs> from the conversations my parents had and, and seeing, you know, like so many of my classmates, you know, when I was in early elementary and mm-hmm. early 80s were living on farms or whose parents farmed, right? And by the time we were in high school, very few of us, you know, were still children of farmers. Um, and just what a, what a different time that was. But, yeah, the... the, the the letters I got were a lot, you know, talking about um, interest rates, you know, and how incredibly high, you know, they were, you know, a lot of farmers who were starting out then, you know, maybe or had just some poor timing, right? Just just mm-hmm. look of the draw um, and, and how they dealt with that. And, and uh, even got a, a letter or two from a, from a lender, you know, who, who had worked on the other side of that, of that desk back then and said it was the hardest thing they had ever done, you know, to have to tell farmers they, they, they couldn't have more or they, they had to shut them down or whatever it was. So just difficult times all the way around. Yes, and, and agriculture is an occupation that does seem to lend itself to uh, consistent lending, and, and that's how the financing is done. Right, right. And a lot of that has changed, right, since mm-hmm. then. You know, they talked about a lot of variable, variable rate um, loans that were made, you know, back then that we don't do those anymore. <laughs> you know, with, right. But, uh, there are some offered, but but not to the, the degree that they were back then. Um, so generally, farmers are operating under fixed rate loans, and uh, that, that provides a little more stability. Okay. We're talking with Holly Spangler, who's the senior editor with Prairie Farmer and Farm Progress. All right, as we look ahead, Holly, to 2023, what will you be working on story-wise uh, for your readers and uh, those who want to view the uh, publications online? Sure. Yeah, this is, you know, this is going to be a farm bill here. Our farm bill expires at the end of September in 2023. So that means there's going to be a lot of oxygen taken up around the farm bill and getting it passed. And that's going to be harder this year. You know, it was hard to get that passed in 2018. And that was when Republicans had a pretty sizable majority in the House of Representatives. And therefore, it should have been fairly easy. Um, This current farm bill, you know, is projected, well, I guess we're, Current farm bill spending is projected at $1.3 trillion over 10 years. So that's a big one. That gets a lot of attention. 84% of that funding um, supports the food stamp program. And so we're going to have a lot of conversation this year about whether that should be split off, you know, whether um, there there are factions of the Republican Party who say, yeah, we need to split off um, the food stamp program. We need to separate that. And, of course, you know, our economists and, and, and agricultural historians would say, you know, it was during the 1970s that they married those two funding arms together, the Farm Bill and the Food Stamp Bill, in order to get something passed, you know, that we just don't have enough support um, from legislators to get a Farm Bill passed without the Food Stamp arm of that program. So that's going to be a whole lot of conversation this year. And what about crop insurance, Holly? Kind of give me the history of when crop insurance uh, was part of the Farm Bill. Has it always been part of the Farm Bill? And uh, that's something we have to have in the Farm Bill coming up in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the thing the last, I want to say at least two Farm Bills we keep hearing from farmers. If there's one thing they want to see in the next Farm Bill is a protection for crop insurance and continuing support for crop insurance. Um, you know, every listening session I went to in 2018, <laughs> every farmer that stood up said, we want to see crop insurance continue. And we've recently done a, a, 
um, a survey here at Farm Progress, you know, of, of farmers and what they want to see. And again, 58% of those folks who are surveyed want to see crop insurance continue. Okay. What else will you be working on in 2023? What do you got your eye on? Yeah, you know, I think we're looking at a lot of um, land prices <laughs> and seeing how that's changing. And um, a lot of our farmland manager, farm manager friends are talking about, you know, maybe seeing a plateau on prices, you know, through the end there of 2022. But again, we saw some record high prices, $30,000 an acre right. over in Northwest Iowa, 27400 in Nebraska. Here in Illinois, you know, we have the top sale, a top ever was 23100 and that was for 52 acres in Put- Put- Putnam County, close to Princeton. Um, down in Sangamon County, we saw some this fall go for $22,600. Um, it's just astronomical amounts of money, and, and, and it's selling to farmers in some cases, right, with, with 1031 exchange money. So just seeing a lot more volatility in that market, um, our managers say, are saying, you know, the high-quality ground is holding its own. Lesser-quality ground may be a little weaker in terms of sales and prices. Um, investors are still in the market, um, but they're looking for a little better returns, which is hard. You know, higher inflation, higher prices for everything. Um, and Holly, what some of the, the purchases of land throughout the nation, uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. I mean, some of it was farmers, but some were investors from other states. Yes, yes. Yeah, actually, one of our biggest stories in 2012, certainly in terms of interest, was one taking a look at who are the biggest absentee landowners in Illinois. And it was fascinating. Um, you know, who, who owns the land here in Illinois and, and why and, and how, are they, how are they using that? And it was mostly looking at central Illinois, um, sure, but it was... Uh, by and large, the, the, the largest absentee landowner is the, the, the Mormon church. Really? And they own, yes, over 35,000 acres here in Illinois. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of folks talk about Bill Gates. He was, he's only number four on the list. In Illinois? <laughs> yeah, in Illinois. Uh, the Mormon church owns the most, 35,000. The Scully family is second at 32,000. Farmland Partners owns 12,000 acres. And then Bill Gates is just a hair under 12,000 at 1198. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? So is it just basically a really good investment for the Mormon church? Is that why they have the 35,000? Yes. Yes. And they own a lot of land all over the country. Um, It's it's not just in Illinois. And I believe, I want to say they're based out of Indianapolis. Okay. Um, At least their farmland management headquarters. Very interesting. Okay. We're talking with Holly Spangler, Senior Editor of Prairie Farmer and Farm Progress Publications. What else do you want farmers to know? Uh, this is the uh, the end of a 2022, and we start to look ahead to 2023. Holly, what uh, what message do you have for farmers? I think just to, to keep pressing on. You know, when, another story we're working on here in 23 is that how we're seeing changing weather patterns, right? here We, we started off talking about the weather, and we're back at the weather again. You know, that idea that we are seeing fewer workable days in the field in April and May, you know, five fewer days than we had back in the 80s it's changed that much, you know, and, and that's due to bigger rains, um, you know, just bigger rainfall events. And so how do we as farmers deal with that? Like, how do you get the same amount of ground planted <laughs> in less time? And, and, and in a lot of operations where you're farming more ground than, you know, anybody was in the 80s as well, you know, just as an individual farm. 
Um, and so how are farmers coping with that? And now are they, how are they reacting to that? How do we manage water better? You know, what can we learn about how to manage water? How do we, how do we retain it, but then put it back <laughs> when we, when we need it? Right. Um, those are, those are some big, um, big technological and, and engineering questions that I think, um, that we know a lot of people are working on that are, that are going to be fun to cover this year and, and to, to see farmers put into put into action. Okay. Look forward to reading all of your articles. And uh, again, folks can find you online if they would like. Remind them again how to uh, read your articles, Holly. You bet. Prairiefarmer.com. Hopefully nice and easy. And you easy. can subscribe to an email newsletter too that'll just send it right to your email inbox every day. Okay, perfect. And uh, I'll be giving you a call too here throughout the year in 2023 to discuss some of these stories that you're working on. They're very pertinent uh, and good information for our ag audience and uh, definitely want to follow up on the changing weather patterns, a fewer fewer workable days that you're talking about in the field, especially as we get closer to uh, March. Absolutely. I would love that. Yep. We'll see you. Uh, hopefully I'll see you at an ag roundtable soon. I'll be giving you a call about that too. That would be fantastic. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Happy New Year, Holly. Happy New Year to you too. Holly Spangler with us, Prairie Farmer and Farm Progress on 1330 WRAM and FM 94.1.